In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, it is part two of a two-part series where Max Feldman shares his top 20 non-McDonald's All-American one-and-done candidates. If you missed the first episode, check it out where he gave his first 10, but I shouldn't say the first 10 because it was not in any type of order other than alphabetical order. It wasn't a ranking. So this is part two. We're going to start off with Duke's Caleb Foster. So stay tuned to hear what Max thinks about Caleb Foster and his opportunity to be a one and done on a loaded Duke squad. Stay tuned. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. Thank you again for whether it's your first listen, your second, your third, your fourth. You're listening in the car on the way to work, listening at work, listening while you're in the gym, riding a bike, whatever. I appreciate each and every listen. If you're not subscribed to the channel, please subscribe, share, like, comment. And if you comment, that is one way you can help us grow the channel. All right, let's get right back to it. This is Max Feldman from Made Hoops. Max is one of my go-to guys when it comes to grassroots basketball. If you're not following Max, please follow Max. I know on the last episode, I didn't get a chance to give you the opportunity to leave your information so where they can follow you. So let's do it right here. Where can the diehard hoop heads that love High school basketball. I want to know who is the top guy to look out for that is not getting the hype in the 2023-24 season. Where can they find you at? My Twitter is at Max Feldman6. Um, but as always, appreciate you having me on. Always happy to talk draft, talk some hoops. Yeah, no problem. You're you're one of the the go-to guys when I need some information. And just to provide a different perspective. They may be tired of listening to me share my thoughts. So it's always good to hear a, a, another perspective. All right, let's talk about Caleb Foster. Caleb Foster joins a loaded, loaded Duke class, which is weird because Duke has a highly ranked class. But if I'm not mistaken, they return like their top four scores. And usually if or maybe it's their top, is it their top four scores? I know it's like four of their top guys from last year, despite the fact that they had two guys selected in the first round. And then Caleb Foster joins a, a a crowded Duke roster. But what are your thoughts on Caleb Foster? And why do you think he has a chance to be one and done? Yeah, it's a fascinating process overall situation. I think I broke down all of these guys in the sell and swing skills. I think if there's a swing skill for the draft, the 24 draft as a whole, it's potentially the Duke backcourt. I think it's going to be fascinating to track. But Caleb Foster specifically, North Carolina native, six foot five guard, um, had some inconsistency in the back end of his high school career. Um, spent his junior year at Oak Hill and really struggled there. Um, senior year went out to Notre Dame in California to play with Dusty Stromer. Had a great season. Um, last EYBL came campaign with Team Thad, he was fantastic. Seemed to really turn a corner. Um, really physical, really physical on the ball. That's probably my favorite thing about him. Really craft based. Um, not afraid to bounce off other defenders to get to his spots really good in ball screens as well um i think that's probably the big sell with him is kind of a combo guard who can create on the ball knock down shots and has a good feel for the game um swing skills for him i think are like we laid out i think it's going to be opportunity guy that has been accustomed to having the ball in his hands and having jeremy roach tyrese Proctor, jeremy mccain and kyle filipowski not just the guards a lot of other guys who are going to have the ball in his hands i think it's going to be um 
little bit of there's going to be something that's going to need to shake out there. But uh, yeah, going to be a big one to track for sure. Yeah. Who do you think between him and McCain gets that third spot? Because I imagine they're going to start small. I imagine they're going to start Roach and Proctor. I can't see a situation where both of those guys aren't in the starting lineup. Then, you know, Mark Mitchell is going to start and then, you know, Philipowski is going to start. So the third guy, who do you think is going to be between him or McCain? Eileen McCain, because of his game is more suited to playing on low usage. Jared McCain is extremely smart. Um, he's been a guy who's played off the ball. He played with Kyle and Boswell in high school. He's played off of other guards. It seems like every step of the way. Um, so I think he can really fit in that role, knock down shots, defend, be a connector. Caleb Foster is well-traveled. Just based off of the information that you've given from North Carolina, went to Oak Hill in Virginia, goes all the way across the country to California, and then he plays AAU for Team Thad, which is based out of Memphis, Tennessee. So he does have uh, – he definitely has some frequent flyer miles on his, uh, on, on his uh, whatever airline he chooses. All right, let's talk about Gavin Griffiths from Rutgers. This is a name that I have not heard anyone talk about as a one and done, but what makes you feel like there is a chance that he could be one and done? I think he's the best shooter in the class, the 2023 high school class. Gavin Griffiths, six foot six, being the best shooter in the class and also having potentially the highest just basketball IQ. Um, I think it gives him a chance. Um, but with that, physicality is going to be tough for him. Um, been a guy who's a little bit more slender, not a great athlete. He's more athletic than I think people think, but not an elite level athlete. And I think defense is going to be um, a barrier for sure. It's going to have to get a lot stronger, and I'm sure that's probably the big focus right now. I think the other interesting part of it is going to be that Rutgers has one of the best 2024 recruiting classes in the country, so I think it could be part of the sell. Is like, hey, come back, join Ace Bailey and these guys that they have coming in. Maybe Dylan Harper could be one of the best teams in the country that year. So, Yeah, you say that he shot 40% from three on 11.3 attempts per 40 minutes at the Peach Jam. Those numbers are, are crazy, and you you really believe he's the best shooter in this class? I think he's the best shooter in the class. Yeah. All right. I, I, you know, that's that's a bold statement. So I want to know a little bit why. Like, what makes you have him ahead of, of I mean, I just can't think of a shooter off the top of my head. But what, what puts him ahead of some of the other shooters in this class? Um, I think it's just, I don't want to keep it too simple, but it's just the efficiency. Um, He's not a guy that needs the ball in his hands. Just really comfortable shooting off movement, flying off screens, um, really versatile as a shooter. Like he's not just a catch and shoot guy. It's not just a pull up guy. Does a little bit of everything. Um, has the footwork. The mechanics are the same every single time. Um, dealt with some injuries in EYBL. That's why the sample size isn't as big. But when he was healthy for that final peach jam, obviously shot the lights out. Um, and that's been a theme throughout his high school career. So who else would be considered in that range? Is it like Stoyakovic? Is that the guy that a lot of people believe is the best shooter in this class? Some people might say that. Um, I'm not there on that. Um, I think Gavin just has a bigger sample size and is a little bit more consistent. Um, Stoyakovic is a very good shooter, but I think um, I would put Gavin on a different level. Aiden Holloway is maybe a guy that people would say. Yep, He's someone that I've heard. People are expecting a big season out of him and that they believe Bruce Pearl is going to give him the keys, like a Sharif Cooper type keys to the offense. All right. Let's talk about Deshaun Harris Smith from Maryland. 
He is a player that, again, not a lot of people are talking about as a one-and-done prospect, but you believe there is an opportunity for him. Can you explain why? Yeah, he's a winner, six foot four, super physical guard, um, play with team takeover, play with Paul of six, and has won every step of the way throughout his grassroots career. Um, he's a guy that I know NBA people do think has a chance and is on radars. Um, he's been someone that I think NBA people are like definitely monitoring as more under the radar guy. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Maryland shakes out just in terms of their guards. But Sean Harris Smith, kind of your prototypical combo guard, six foot four lefty. Um, has a really good first step, really physical, getting downhill, great feel for the game, um, really big time backcourt rebounder. Um, and I think that's something that always stands out for me when it's just like it's not one or two games where he's 10 rebounds like he does that stuff consistently where he's grabbing it off the glass, going the other way and finding a guy just to create an uh, easy opportunity. So really high level competitor, pass, dribble, shoot um, and a guy that came on really strong that last uh, year of high school. What do you think his NBA role would be? Um, that's part of the, uh, harder part to figure out with him. He was really accustomed to playing on the ball throughout, uh, that last part of his grassroots career. But I do think he is a guy that can play both on or off the ball, play off of other guys and your, uh, natural combo guard. Yeah. That's what I was trying to figure out. Like what is his NBA role? Because there's a lot of things he does well, but I'm just trying to figure out what is the skill set that he hangs his hat on. Now he's tough and he's physical, and he rebounds. The first comparison that came to mind, in a sense, of those intangibles is Josh Hart. Not saying he's Josh Hart, but... Intangibles-wise, I see what you mean. Yeah, just based off of the intangibles. All right, when we return, we'll talk about a few more prospects. But let's talk about FanDuel, because the NFL is... I mean, week three is here. And right now, if you are a new customer, you get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. All you have to do is place a $5 bet and you can win $200. That is $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is not a better time to get in the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that include the spreads, player props, overs, unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and locked on. All right, second segment, we left off with Deshaun Harris-Smith, and I was trying to come up with a player comparison. And based off the intangibles, I thought Josh Hart, if you have a, comp a player comparison, let me know and, and send it in the comments, whether it's on Twitter or you can comment on YouTube. All right, let's talk about Jacob McFarland from Houston. Now, Houston has a few guys that people are starting to talk about as like under the radar potential one and dones. Now, Houston is not a school that produces one and dones. Jairus Walker was the rare one and done that comes out of Houston. But one thing I know about a player that plays for the University of Houston you got to be tough. So tell me a little bit about Jacob McFarlane. Yeah, Jacob McFarlane, one of the big late bloomer, big risers in this 2023 high school class. Like I mentioned, I think part one, one of those things that I just look out for in terms of making that one and dumb leap is that progression. Um, six foot 11, uh, rangy rim protector can really run the floor. Um, obviously, a lot of people are excited about Jojo Tugler. I think Jojo Tugler is yeah. going to be fantastic for them. Kind of your prototypical Houston guy. I think McFarlane has the edge long-term as an NBA prospect, just given his measurables, his frame, his mobility. 
Um, but one of like the top guys on this list overall that I lean towards it taking multiple years, but I think he's going to be fascinating to track just in terms of, of a unique prospect for Houston, like definitely a guy that they haven't really had and they don't have on this roster. So um, really good uh, shot blocker can really run the floor, um, can really cover ground. Swing skill. What is the swing skill that can get him in the 2024 NBA draft? Um, I think it's going to be sample size, uh, getting those reps, I think are going to be big for him. His frame and overall skill set are very like foundational right now. He's probably barely 200 pounds, very much like a rim runner, uh, playing above the rim, catching lobs and then block shots on the other end. Um, he has flashed some shooting, but I think it's just going to be something that probably I lean towards it taking more than a year. All right, the next player, Scotty Middleton, is a draft Twitter darling already. He has a huge fan base in the draft Twitter world, and people are basically plugging him in as the next Bryce Sensenball ball and the one and done from Ohio State. Uh, Malachi Brandon was that guy the year before. So everyone is saying Scotty Middleton is going to be the third non-McDonald's All-American coming from Ohio State in a row. And so you have him on your list. So for the listeners that aren't familiar with Scotty Middleton, explain his game and why so many people are so high on him. Yeah, six foot six, your prototypical three and D wing, um, plus length, really rangy, um, has some twitch to him. He's quicker than most guys at his size. I think that's probably a big thing, just movement skills wise. And I think with him, the intrigue is just like there's a clear path to an NBA role long term. It doesn't take hard to figure out. It doesn't take long to figure out like what he could look like at the NBA level. Um, I think I'm probably a little bit lower on him than most people just been really streaky. And one thing that always stands out to me with him um, is just when he misses, a lot of the misses are bad. He has a lot of bad misses. Um, He's been relatively streaky. He turned a big corner um, heading into his senior year at sunrise. Previously, he was not a great shooter. The numbers were pretty low. Um, Junior got into a senior at sunrise and had a good year shooting the ball, but EYBL, he shot 25% from three and 53% from the free throw line. And he's always really been a negative assisted turnover ratio guy. So I think it's he's far less polished than a sensible and a Branham. Um, he's a very, very different prospect. So I think it's hard to link those three together. Um, but tools, the shooting progression, there is definitely intrigue there. Yeah, I watched this film and I wasn't as sold on him as a lot of people that I've seen tweet about him. I thought, like you said, the shooting is streaky. The free throw percentage scares me. Like if if your role is to knock down shots, if that's going to be like part of the part of your bread and butter, the skill set that you have to hang your hat on. To me, it's a huge red flag when you're not a good foul shooter. That is that is huge to me. I mean, obviously, he's young and that's something that can develop. But to me, free throw shooting is touch. And that's why I have a little bit of concern there. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, the next player. Now, I'm high on this guy. Like, I feel like I'm higher on him than anybody out there. I have him. I forgot exactly where I have him, but I think I have him in the lottery. I know I have him in my top 20. It is Fee Missy from Baylor. I've heard great things about him. I've heard, like, really, really good things about him as far as how he's played at in, in Baylor practices. And then I, I'm high on him when I watched his film. But it kind of confirmed it when I've just heard good things. I had um, some friends of mine that are, are Baylor alums, and Baylor has this, I guess it's like, I don't know the exact name of it, but it's like Alumni Weekend where they invite all their 
former players, whether you're a current NBA player, former NBA player, but guys that just played at Baylor, played at a high role, they invite them, they come back for a week and they 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 train and it's it's like a camaraderie thing, but they also play with the the guys on the team. And I I was, you know, trying to get some information and everybody that I spoke with said Missy is a problem. So I'll let you share why you think he has a potential one and done, and then I'll add my two cents after that. Yeah, Yves Misi is a fascinating just prospect overall, just in terms of where he's come from. Um, he's been playing basketball for, I think, three years now. Um, speaks a bunch of different languages. He's just got a fascinating story overall. As a um, brother that played for, like, Harvard, I've heard yeah. everybody in the family is just brilliant. Yeah. I actually think I saw him for the first time he ever played basketball in the United States. He was playing with West Nottingham Academy in the East Coast for senior year. Um, what ended up being a senior year, he moved out to prolific prep. Um, he's a reclass from 2024, originally part of class 2024, reclassed up to get to Baylor this year, um, which is his original class, according to his birth date. So makes some sense there, um, but kind of relates to the swing skills. I think for him, it's just doesn't have a ton of experience playing basketball physically six of 10 and extremely wiry physically. It might just take more than a year. Um, but I think that's also part of the intrigue with him as he's raw in a lot of ways. Doesn't have a ton of polishing yet, but he's already doing some crazy things just in terms of rim running, finishing around the rim. He definitely is a guy that I feel comfortable with, has touch. Um, the free throws haven't been there, but I do think it'll something that's going to come over time. Um, but going to be fascinating to follow him with Baylor's guards and um, that system overall. Yeah, he's someone that I definitely think will be drafted high, but it will be based off of potential over production. But I think he's going to rebound the ball at a high level. But he shows some flashes of being able to face up and attack. Like he's comfortable in the face up and putting the ball on the floor. Not saying that he's shifty or dancing, but one or two dribbles. And then I like the fact that if he can dunk it, he's trying to dunk everything around the rim. I do think that he needs to improve like his soft touch finishes and so on. But I think a lot of that is just his overall feel for the game. But I like him a lot. I think he's going to be... I think he's going to be one of the bigger surprises. Now, I may be getting way ahead of myself. When I watched him play, I tried to go back and find how Joel Embiid looked early in his career at Kansas. And I, I don't want to say he's Joel Embiid, but I was just trying to draw a comparison of how, and I mean, he's not like fluid like Embiid, and you know, he doesn't have those flashes. But I was just trying to go back and look at a guy that was extremely raw, but you see the talent. And then you're trying to figure out, okay, as he gets or improves his feel for the game, what can he be? And I think at the minimum, Missy can be your your shot blocker, your your rebounder, your rim runner, your vertical lob threat. But I think there's a chance he has a little bit more to his game than just that. All right, let's talk about Jaron Stevenson. I had a chance to watch Jaron work out this summer. He came to Dallas for... I want to say he was maybe here for like a week or so, and he worked out with Gigi Jackson. I had a chance to watch them play one-on-one a lot. And Jaron, I mean, they told me that he was going to – reclass- yeah, he reclassified up. So yep. I had heard about that before it went before it went public. And then one of the, the pitches that I heard that Alabama made was that he was going to be like Noah Clowney. Like yep. he was going to be basically a, a – a, an updated version of Noah Clowney, someone that wasn't really talked about as a one and done before. I would say, when did people start talking about 
Clowney as a first round pick or draft will like maybe January, yeah, maybe it took a December. While. And so, but one thing about Stevenson, he's skilled, but and, and this may sound crazy, but when I look at his shoe size, like he has the biggest feet that I've seen. Oh. But he moves well for a guy that has such huge dogs. So what are your thoughts on Jaron Stevenson? Yeah, he's really interesting. Just as like a modern big prospect, I think. Um, just has really good ball skills. I think like his feet, has massive hands too. Like seems yep. like he feels everything in, whether it's on the glass. Playing out of DHO is just a, like a guy that always has really good control of the ball. Um, I really like the passing. He does like some interesting things. It's just a modern big um and has shown touch it's been a kind of consistent development over the last few years shot at 74 percent this past spring in eybl um 71 as a rim finisher in eybl so has really good touch around the rim i think he's best as like a roll man dho type big not your traditional like rim runner type guy um average 0.9 blocks per game i think he's really smart rotationally but not going to block a ton of shots doesn't have crazy length to him so um, he's unique and he's been a little bit inconsistent, but I think Alabama is kind of a unique and strong setting for him. Yep. I agree. I agree hundred percent. All right. We are down to the last three prospects. Stay tuned to find out who the last three we've done 17. Now we have three left in Max Feldman's top 20 prospects that were not McDonald's all Americans. That could be one and done. Stay tuned. All right, last segment. Let's start off with Jalen Stewart from UConn. Before you get into like his 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 report, a scouting report, where do you see him fitting at on this UConn roster? Probably the biggest swing skill. You mentioned it before. It's, UConn's got a lot of bodies ahead of him. Um, was a guy that I was very close to keeping off, but I've heard he's been very good these past few months since he arrived there. So, um. It's going to be interesting. I think he's a 3-4, um, can really play either role. Um, but it's it's going to be tough, and I would bet that it probably takes time just given what UConn's rolling back. Yep. All right. So can you share why you believe that he has the chance to be a one-and-done despite going to such a, a loaded roster? I mean, he's, coming, he's going on a team that just won a national championship that returned some pretty good players. Yeah, uh, Jalen Stewart, six foot six, mismatch type of wing. Um, originally from Seattle, play with Seattle Rotary. Um, super productive there. Comes across the country, and and um, my favorite thing about him is just his functional athleticism. Not a guy that's extremely explosive. Not a guy that's super twitchy, but just has great basketball athleticism and can really score it out of the mid range. Um, plays in a bunch of different types of role. He's really comfortable as like a primary guy getting to his pull-ups in the mid range, um, attacking closeouts. Um, so I think he's very unique just in terms of what UConn has had, but really interesting. It's just like a shot making big wing with great intangibles. He's really strong, really physical, um, but has to sort out some things in terms of his shooting efficiency and exactly where he fits defensively. But a guy that I've been, probably like one of my favorite guys in the recruiting class. And 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 why is that? Like, what is it that, because we all have our favorites and we can be a little biased sometimes, but what is it about him that makes him one of your favorites? Yeah, it's just like a rare level of fluidity, strength, and like he makes things at his size look easy that just most other guys don't and really knows how to punish mismatches. 
like doesn't need a game flow to be going his way um, to get where he needs to get. If he's playing against a smaller guy, he's going to punch him in deep and finish around the rim. If he's playing against a bigger guy, he's going to beat him downhill and get to the rim every time. And I think that comes from just that functional athleticism and knowing what each possession requires just in terms of his skill set. Um, but also just been productive really each step of the way here. All right, let's talk about Dalen Swain from Xavier. Yeah, we were talking favorites. This is probably my favorite guy. Uh, I don't know okay. if it's going to be one year, probably going to be a two-year thing. Um, going to be one of the youngest players in college basketball as well. Six foot seven, six foot six, really comfortable on the ball. And defensively, big time, really high level of generating deflections, really smart off the ball. And just been a fa- uh, fascinating like development to track. He's had the ball in his hands a lot. 90 assists to just 59 turnovers in UIBL. And you might not think that's great, but if you look at UIBL stats, that's pretty high level. That's incredible. Because um, <laughs> even the best players have like even assist to turnover ratios. Exactly. <laughs> especially for being a six seven guy who played on pretty high usage. Um, obviously very young, and the shooting is the big question mark with him, it just hasn't been a big part of his game. Reports have been good with it, but I think it's gonna take time. And I think the one player that comes to mind, no, we haven't done play ton of player comparisons but a guy that played for sean miller back in the day reminds me some of dale and terry just in terms of the on-ball stuff the defense the athleticism and the shooting question mark so um, one i'm i'm very intrigued to follow here do you believe that the shooting can improve of course let me let me reword that of course the shooting can improve but how fast do you think it can improve because he's, he's a reluctant shooter and he's not like on paper a good shooter so how long do you think it's going to take him to be more comfortable shooting and once he's comfortable um, being efficient? Yeah, he's a guy that played on um, a public school, a team that a great, a high school team that wasn't as great. So he's able to do a little bit more. And after his final EYBL campaign during his final year of high school, he did show a little bit more comfort shooting it from three just because he was able to have that responsibility and just felt more confident doing it. So I think it's something that is going to come I don't think he's going to be a high-level shooter. But if, if, if I think if he gets to close to 30% where he can draw a closeout here and there, I think he's going to be able to figure things out. And if Dale and Terry can get to a, a marginal, like a, a solid point, I think Dale and Terry can as well. I mean, yeah. Dale and Swain. All right. The last guy that we're going to talk about is Wesley Yates. And before you share your thoughts, I'm going to share mine. I'm a, a big Wesley Yates fan. He is another guy that I think could be boomer bust. And so in my scouting report on Wesley Yates, I talk about I like his size at 6'4". I like his burst and speed, flashy court visions, fun to watch. Um, he just loves to push the ball in transition. He is aggressive downhill attacker, very confident. And I, I, I love guys that exude confident, confidence. He's not afraid to, uh, of contact. And I think that he's going to look better in the NBA with NBA spacing than in college. Now, my concerns are he misses a lot of reads, misses open teammates. The shooting is inconsistent. He has a tendency to play wild and drive without a plan. There's some concern about the low release on his shot, and he is used to playing with the ball in his hands, and I would like to see him become a better shooter off the catch. What are your thoughts on Wesley Yates? And tell me if there's anything that I mentioned that you strongly agree with or totally disagree with. I strongly agree with a lot of it, to be honest. I think the big appeal is, is like a microwave score, um, can really shoot it off the like off the dribble. I think that's 
probably the big thing with him. I also love guys that are like super craft based and super physical inside the arc, like him and Caleb Foster. Um, I think the streakiness is probably the big thing in terms of the swing skills. In two EYBL sessions in his final EYBL with Levon, he shot under 20% from three. So um, put up big numbers earlier in the spring and kind of died off. And when he dies off and is shooting it inefficiently, he's been a guy that can kind of kill a team just in terms of offensive productivity. Um, so I think you you nailed it on the head. I'm really interested to see how the role um, plays out at Washington. Obviously a unique setting for a one and done, but um, I think he's got a chance to really surprise some people. Yeah, I think so too. I, I like him. That's why uh, I'm glad that we saved him for last. And he was a guy that I had a, a pretty decent scouting report on. And I've been hearing about him for a while, but I really like his game. Now you had mentioned that you think that he's shown some ability to be a knockdown shooter off the catch. That is something I didn't see. And I just wanted to like pick your brain on that. Like where, like what film did you watch or, or what games that you seen where you believe that there is upside off the catch? Cause I feel like, He's had the ball in his hand so much that it's a small sample size off the catch. It is a small sample size. Um, I kind of buy just the eye test of it. Um, he is 46% on unguarded jumpers in UIBL. So I think that is a plus, but I also just buy like the fluidity, the consistency um, just mechanically. And I think he does have really high level touch. So I think playing off guys like Paul Mulcahy and some of the, and Keon Brooks, I think there's a chance to show that this year. Yeah, Brooks seems like he's been in school for a long, long time. This is is what his second year at, at Washington? I think second or third. And I feel like it just seems like he's played three years at Kentucky. I mean, I know with the whole COVID years and graduation that guys can stick around longer, but he just seems like he's had like two different like careers, not just like went to two schools, but two different careers, but he is a really good athlete. And I had a chance to watch him work out some in Dallas. So um, I, I do like Keon Brooks. All right, man, that wraps up this episode, man. Big thank you for your time for doing two episodes, 20 prospects. If you are, looking to follow somebody or you want to find out information and on the grassroots circuit, you got to follow Max Feldman. Max knows his stuff. And it's not just your, your typical blah scouting reports. I mean, he's given numbers, but he's also using his opinions on why he likes or why he has concerns about players. And that's why Max is one of my favorite guys in the space. Big thank you, Max, for coming on. Once again, thank you, the listener, for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first, second, your third. I'm just glad that you are listening. And thank you, Max, for coming on back-to-back episodes. Once again, it's Raphael Barlow with Max Feldman, and we are out. Out.